WGIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour and with a special show today. It seems like every year, you know, we, we approach Memorial Day weekend and we want to remember and in appropriate ways, meaningful ways for our listeners. And this time around, we thought, what if the theme becomes essentially Hollywood goes to war? Whom might we ask to provide expertise? about a pantheon of films, greater and lesser, but all designed to keep us in remembrance of those who paid the ultimate price, who made the ultimate sacrifice in wartime. And some of the films can be funny. There, there is room even in wartime or looking back upon times of war for comedy. We're going to get into that and so much more because we have the walking Encyclopedia of Hollywood History, particularly classic Hollywood, none other than Jeffrey Mark, who will join us momentarily. But let's say hello to our buddy, bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you doing today, Benny? Doing very well, you too, and happy Memorial Day back. And I don't know if you're big hot dog eating fans, but you know, 72 million of them are consumed this weekend. So, you know, if my math serves me correctly, that's like about 800 per, uh, per second. Or the average day for Joey Chestnut. Oh, my God, that guy. Have you seen him? Jaws? Oh, he, what is it like? What's the record now? 70 plus in what, five minutes or something I like stopped that? counting. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Fourth of July is special yeah. for other reasons, but that guy, he's a phenomenon. He's probably training and doing something else like Peroshkis or something like that. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> competitive eating. Yeah. My God. The world of competitive eating. <laughs> Have you ever seen us at a Golden Corral? <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, yeah, not for me, but for somebody. <laughs> Always good to be working with Benny. Pleasure. Suzanne, we did quite a bit of research. and we yes. Got, yes. We intensified our yeah. search for movies. I was just amazed at the number of films that have been produced and presented to the world by that great celluloid machine hollywood the star maker machine and it's amazing how as wars are approaching as you're during wartime and then looking back so that you have the retrospective the theme of war and all of the horrors and all of the terror it brings to humanity is put into high relief especially by hollywood and so we're going to talk to jeffrey mark and, you know, the way I look at it today, I hope Jeffrey finds this agreeable. It's he can riff. You throw movies, you throw stars, you throw directors, you throw studios there. He can turn a discussion of the film arts into a celluloid collage. And we might have some of that going on today. I hope our listeners will enjoy it. But first, mad props for Jeffrey Mark. Jeffrey Mark is a singer, stand-up comedian in nightclubs and cabarets, and an off-Broadway veteran. He has hosted a radio series, written comedy, and now writes and produces documentaries and reality shows for cable television. He has also written three best-selling books devoted to Lucille Ball, Ella Fitzgerald, and Ethel Merman. All three of those ladies are my favorites. And so we welcome him back to Manson Mitchell once more, Jeffrey Mark. Good to have you with us today, Jeffrey. God bless America. You're not going to do the whole thing. I know. I was, waiting, I was waiting for the rest. <laughs> I was getting ready to stand up. <laughs> I, I'm hearing me some Kate Smith there. Well, there's a reason for that, of course, which is that that song and that performance is in one of those wonderful Hollywood goes to war films. That's how it came about. Excellent. And it, Excellent. it lingered. It, she became famous for that and it became a great thing to do. I, I heard her say, or at least a recording of her voice singing that before sporting events. Oh yeah. For years and years and years. Uh, she, when she was in town, she'd be there and sing it in person. And if she wasn't there, they'd use a recording. We're talking about, for those of you who are listening, Kate Smith, who is not as well remembered today as she was in the prime of her career uh, because time has gone by. And unfortunately, and I know this is little off topic, Kate Smith became part of cancel culture because somebody figured out 
that she sang one time a racist song. And uh, because of that, she's been erased. But while mm. she was alive, she was a very patriotic American. And by the way, all of the money from God Bless America went to the Boy Scouts of America. Okay. Okay. You know, it's interesting when we, Gary and I were doing our research about uh, the movies and this week, and there's something that just uh, struck us so incredibly, Jeffrey, and that is that the the start of the idea of Memorial Day came right around or after the Civil War. There, It's been disputed as to where it began and what year it began. There's a, a number of, of cities that say it all started here. So that's not definitive, but it did start sometime in the 1860s. And, and to now... Uh, be celebrating it in in this year. It's been around a long time, but what was so interesting to us is that most of the movies that have been made about war were all about World War II. And I said, well, it makes logical sense that the only Civil War movies you would have would be the ones that are produced today about the Civil War, and interestingly enough, really just a couple of early films about World War I, but the predominance of all the films made were about World War II. And that's why we said we were going to talk mostly about Hollywood goes to war with regard to World War II. Does, does that seem right to you that our, that our focus is all on World War II? I don't know that it seems right because we have a history, a, a history of our country and the conflicts in which we have been. But there's a reason for it, and it's a practical reason. World War II is recent. It is easy. It is inexpensive to recreate the sights and the sounds of what was going on in this country at that time. If you go back and you want to do a film about the Civil War or the War of 1812, or the Revolutionary War, or even Korea or Vietnam, you've got to get a lot of money for costuming and makeup. And uh, for going back to the Revolutionary War, we don't know how things looked exactly. World War II, we know how everything looked because it was so well documented. And so many of the films about World War II were made during World War II or a very close thereafter i think world war ii is probably the most romanticized war we have ever encountered uh, and it was done for a reason the uh, the the american government cozied up with the american film industry in order to get everybody on board if you watch world war ii films one would think that um, one would think that everyone was on board. Everyone, everyone was of one accord. No, before the war, there were many, many people in this country who felt we shouldn't get into the war. And the president and Congress sort of went to the movie studios and said, hey, we need to get everybody on board here and we need to get everybody buying war bonds. Another thing that doesn't exist anymore. We paid for the war ourselves. The American public gave their money in bonds to pay for everything. So there was an awful lot of government and filmmaking hand-in-hand -hand manipulation going on here um, so, so that the war became this wonderful, romantic, rah, 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 we're all of one accord, we all think exactly alike, we're gonna win, yay, yay us. Uh, that's never happened again. I don't know that it ever happened before. I think World War II was the only war where we, as a people, coalesced creatively like that. And also, we all agreed, this is the way we're going to go. Republican, Democrat, left, right, it didn't matter. Everyone was marching to war together, and Hollywood helped make that happen in a, in a huge way. 
you set the table beautifully, Jeffrey. Thank you for doing that because early in this interview, I told myself I want to get to a series of films that seems at this distance of this many decades later to have been a kind of propaganda, but the sort of propaganda that one must do when survival of civilization or one's view of civilization, one's way of being is at stake. And Hollywood turned to the great director, Frank Capra, to yes. make a series of rather short films, but very powerful, called Why We Fight. Please tell our listeners about that. In order for the studios to make the government happy, they agreed to put X percentage of their budgets into war films, into films made for soldiers only, into films made about soldiers for the folks at home to look at and to be educational. We were at a point in our, in our cultural lives when World War II started for us. Remember, the war was going on in Europe and had been going on for two or three years already. We join in, but there's no television. There's no turn on the two. There's no click your remote and, and look at a, a platform to find out what's going on. You either listen to the radio or you went to the movies and you look at a newsreel. And that's how you found out what was going on. And uh, they enlisted some of the most brilliant filmmakers in history to, to make these series of films, in, in Mr. Capra's case, these films, to help explain to the people why we're doing what we're doing and how we're doing what we're doing and why you need to be on board with this. And that made the government happy. And this is where it's not quite as forthright as we would love to remember it being because film costs money. Film elements of the actual, when we used films, well, those elements were being kept for the war. If you want to make films, if you want the silver and the nitrates needed to make film, you'd better cooperate with the government or you can't make those films. So it was a hand in hand thing. If Hollywood wanted to exist and make money, they had to do what the government was asking of them. And uh, Mr. Capra, I'm sure, was a very loyal American. He was an Italian American who lived here. And uh, these films were made to be educational to the folks at home who maybe like, how did we get into this? And, and what are we supposed to be doing? Younger people today, well, yeah, I guess almost everyone today doesn't remember there were food shortages. There were gas shortages. You, you had to get online to buy meat, meatless Mondays and, and spaghetti Wednesdays. The war completely changed our culture and the way it got changed was through film. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I can re recall my parents talking about how rationing was in place and it became a fact of life. You were doing very well if you had an ample supply of butter or tires, for example. We needed the rubber for the war effort. You just had to shift your mentality to realize what was going on around you and around the world. Or coffee. Good heavens. I'm sitting here sipping my coffee now. <laughs> During World War II, uh, you couldn't get it. You, you were, you're drinking chicory or you're drinking tea or because all of, all, of, all of our extra stuff was being sent overseas to take care of the men and women who were fighting for us. It's, it's, it's very hard from a creative standpoint to sell a war. We're selling killing okay not murder because that's different we're talking about fighting for something that's right or keeping someone from killing us that, that that's very hard to sell to human beings and then to get the folks who were here to give up paper paper drives and tin drives and aluminum drives and uh, all the things Americans just took for granted that all of a sudden it isn't that they weren't there anymore, but the government was horning them on behalf of the war effort. 
um, as kids growing up watching old Warner Brothers cartoons, Bugs Bunny, and there'd be a, is this trip necessary? That was from World War II. That was a catchphrase, meaning don't take your car out. Don't spend the gas. Don't use up the rubber on your tires. Is this trip necessary? And as kids, we understood what that meant because we still had people around us who had lived through World War II. We were just young enough to have been after that, the baby boomers. Uh, it, it just it changed everything. And it changed the way movies were made. And it changed the studio system. The, the, the Hollywood going to war, World War II, and if I had my own teeth, I could say that properly. Hollywood going to World War II uh, changed Hollywood, completely changed Hollywood. So much so that after the war, the movie industry kind of took a big hit because it changed it in a way that couldn't be uh, kept up unless there was a war. So all kinds, I mean, there's five, we, we could do five hours about this. Let's we get a little specific could. because I'm, I'm talking in generalities. So why don't you guys ask some questions and maybe I have some stories for you. Oh, maybe. There and the inside information, Suzanne. Do you have? I've one? got. We when we did a lot of research, Jeffrey, on on these movies, and I've written down dozens of them. But let me just give you like the first uh, the first few here, and and when they were uh, filmed or when they were released, just to see what pops out at you. And this was like in the forties. In the forties. 1942, Casablanca. 1945, they were expendable. 1946, the best years of our lives. 1949, 12 o'clock high. And then getting into um, into the 50s, from here to eternity, 1953. Also 1953, Stalag 17. 1957, Hellcats of the Navy. 1957, The Bridge on the River Kwai. 1957, Paths of Glory. There were already three films there from 1957. There were dozens, dear. And that's just some of them from the 40s and 50s that, that we were looking at. I mean, there were, and, and were the heroes, I mean, we are the heroes. We came and saved the day in in all of these films. It was our heyday. Yes. The films fall into categories. The first films that were made when the war started, because Hollywood went into it immediately. I mean, December 7th, 1941. by, By January 1st, the wheels were already turning in Hollywood. The earliest films were films where Abbott and Costello go to war and the Andrews sisters sing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy and you're a lucky fellow, Mr. Jones, to live in this country and go to war because that's your job. Uh, The Three Stooges go to war. Getting into the war, teaching people that it was okay for them to go. We want you to go. It's your job to go. Those were the earliest films. While the war was on, you had basically only two kinds of films. Films about the war, very, very romanticized, or big, splashy musical things and comedy things to take everybody's mind off of all the awful stuff that was happening out there. So all those wonderful MGM musicals and Judy Garland and rah, 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 and... uh, incredible talent and money was put into these films to, to make them really affect the American public and and they're wonderful films and they hold up today because they're so well-made as the war went on. And as we finally start to win a little bit, because the first couple of years, there was nothing to brag about. We were getting our behinds kicked. Once once it turned more in our direction, then the films got a little bit more serious. Then they began dealing with the deprivations of war, uh, films about people who were left behind in Europe, films about people, women 
who were encamped in China kind of things where they, they let the American public see you know, just the tip of the iceberg of how awful things really were. And you would see in stuff like Bataan, uh, also made during the war, you saw Desi Arnaz dying uh, as a soldier, giving a brilliant performance, by the way. Then as we were getting towards the end of the war, uh, it was about bringing the people home. In fact, the, you, you mentioned the, the best days of our lives. Literally, the producer of that film said, well, we sent them away. Now I got to make a movie to bring them home. Like it was yeah. his job to bring the soldiers back. Yep. Uh, then there were films that were about the different military complexes. Uh, Stage Door Canteen and Hollywood Canteen were made using almost everybody in show business uh, to show off. Oh, canteens, for those of you who are listening, all over this country, they had these little nightclubs, only soldiers and sailors and Marines and Air Force, Air Corps people, there was no Air Force yet, could get in and big celebrities and every woman in town would be there, free food, all you could eat. Uh, dancing with pretty girls, live entertainment. And this went on for the entirety of the war. And they made two films just about that. There were, uh, this is the army, a film about a company of people in the army who went around entertaining people. And then they made a film about that thing. It's like a film about a film about a film. I mean, you had Ethel Merman singing, we'll be singing hallelujah, marching through Berlin. Um, some of it was a little hard to take. And uh, for our, our Japanese American listeners, boy, did we treat you badly during the war. And in our films, we treated you even worse. There was a little bit of racism going on because of the war. And that was very, very sad. But there's, there's so many types of films about the war. And then after the war, we went almost directly into Korea. That war wasn't quite so easily rah-rahed. It was better to make films about the last war than the war we were in currently. So all you, you'd mentioned 1952, 1953. They were making World War II films. There were very, if any, films really made about Korea. The wow. only one that I found about Korea was MASH in 1970. And that was given some distance in time from the Korean War. There may be others, but that I think was the most successful one about Korea. And you, you, you brought up a wonderful thing. It's the same. Remember I just said that during the Korean War, they did movies about World War II? Yes. In Vietnam, yes. you couldn't make a film about Vietnam. Yes. MASH was yep. about Vietnam, really. It yes, was an it was. allegory. Yes, the movie and the right. TV show. Right. Yep. So they, they placed yep. it in Korea in the early 50s, but we all knew they were really talking about our involvement in Vietnam and the pros and cons of that. Well, yes, because it's all Asia. The, whether you're oh, talking about South, the Korean... South, it's all Southeast Asia. Southeast all, Asia, yeah. right. The same and, sort of, same sort of yep. peninsula. But what was going on the problems and the lack of clarity about why we were there and mm -hmm. the, the, how America was torn. America was torn in Korea also, not as much as Vietnam because Korea didn't last as long, but the Korea, Vietnam, all the wars since world war two, they're a different category. World war two really in our American conscience of people who are alive today, world war two is the only war where everybody was on board there was no, there were no dissidents. There was no uh, picketing or uh, we shouldn't be there. Once we were in the war as a country, we were there until we won, which is a very different mindset. But as I mentioned a moment ago, but also it affected Hollywood as a place because so much money came in from the government to make these propaganda films. And because there was no television, these studios are making 52 films a year each. They're making a movie a week. Well, once the war ended and television was allowed to go forward, because during the war, uh, television was sort of put on hold. The resources needed to build television were put into the war. But once TV started, 
all of a sudden they weren't making 52 films a year anymore. And then the government decided that owning a Hollywood studio and owning theaters was illegal. It was, it was no competition there. So all of a sudden the, the movie studios didn't own the theaters and didn't know for sure that every film they made would be shown and shown well. So all of a sudden that this, this wonderful propaganda machine collapses on itself and everything in Hollywood changed. Let's go ahead and take a break, our one and only break of the hour. We're talking with Jeffrey Mark, and we're talking about Hollywood Goes to War in its various iterations. And on the other side of this, there's plenty more to be said. There's also, now we've already referred to MASH, which is a very funny movie, very funny TV series about a very serious subject. There are other ways to look at war comedically, and I do want to get into that. One of my favorite war movies I will bring up because I'd like to get some inside scoop from Jeffrey. So much more to be said on this very important topic in the American consciousness as we approach Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Manson Mitchell. We'll have lots more to say right on the other side of this break. This is AM 1150 in Seattle. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jeffrey Mark, the walking encyclopedia of Hollywood history, who recalls the years when classic movie stars kept America's morale high during World War II. On Saturday, Harriet Baskus returns with selections from her book, 111 Places in Seattle That You Must Not Miss. We'll get to as many as we can. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. Wow, 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 wow. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell, the great Whitney Houston singing the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, very famously, we are talking about Hollywood Goes to War uh, on this Memorial Day weekend. Interestingly, Memorial Day started in the 1860s, but it wasn't until the 19. 19- 60s that Lyndon Johnson made it an official holiday the last Monday in May to honor the war dead, the men and women who gave their all for the United States. And we are talking about how that is portrayed in movies with Jeffrey Mark. People, um, Jeffrey, if people would like to either get to know you better or find out more about what you do in the world of entertainment. Where is the best place for them to find that and and maybe something about your books? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Jeffrey Mark, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-M-A-R-K. 
I have a Facebook group for my radio show, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, which can be heard every week around the countries. I'm on Instagram at the Jeffrey Mark Showbiz. I am on uh, Twitter at Jeffrey Mark. Uh, I will come make dinner at your house. It's pretty easy to find me if you want me. Now, a question for you. Wasn't Memorial Day originally called Decoration Day? Yes, it was. was, And and that's what my grandparents called it. And and was it not originally supposed to be a holiday about people who were decorated during various and sundry conflicts? Right. when, when, When President Johnson made it a holiday holiday, a national holiday, Right. Then it became about remembering all of our brave brothers Correct. and sisters who lost and canines who lost their war, their their, their yes. lives in some sort of conflict. I can remember uh, as a youngster growing up in Chicago, my grandparents called it Decoration Day. And rather than being red, white and blue, there was a lot of black bunting around the uh, stores to signify that they were honoring the dead. Yes. And and so it wasn't uh, the same as it is now. It's evolved to a lot more red, white and blue and flags and and going to the grave sites and honoring uh, the the deceased who especially, you know, the ones who died in conflict, uh, bringing flowers and and um, and and going and visiting those sites. But I do remember it as Decoration Day myself, just from my youth, and then the involvement of that holiday, as so many holidays have evolved. You know, I'm I'm a strange guy about this holiday because I'm very much a pacifist as a person. Mm-hmm. And no offense to any of our friends out there, I am a liberal. If that bothers anyone, I, I apologize, but it is who I am. However. I come from a military family. My uncle Harry was a full bird colonel in the Air Force. Mm. He ran all of the military hospitals worldwide for the Air wow. Force. Uh, there's a building for my uncle Harry in Miami named for him. Uh, and there are several Head Start programs named for him. I've got cousins who were, who were in the Air Force and in the Army. And uh, so I'm very pro-military because it was a part of my life, part of my growing up. I saw my family sacrificing in order to help protect our country. So I don't like war, but I love our people in the military. Uh, boy, I, I think you said that very well. And I feel similarly, I have very little family who has ever served, partly because of the time in which they were born. The timing was such that they're, they may not have Uh, been in the conflict. I had an uncle who was in World War II in the army and a great, great grandfather who served in the Civil War. And he died in 1906. So I I have that in my family. Gary has a a little bit more in his family who have served. Uh, Most definitely. My dad was in the Navy in World War II aboard the USS Manatee, a tanker. So any danger there, you're right. You're riding on essentially a, a floating gas can there and, and providing the needed power. I had two uncles who fought in the Battle of the Bulge. There are um, a couple more who were in the Army in the Pacific Theater, the two other uncles. And the amazing thing is that they all came back. There, I, one, one, ankle, uh, one uncle took some uh, shrapnel that, that bothered him for the rest of his life, actually. there, But they all made it back. And yet their schoolmates, any number of them did not. And so I often say my dad lucked out. Back in World War II, you could be drafted into the Navy. And they needed one more for their quota in his local precinct there in Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. There, And he was actually selected, drafted to go into the Navy. And my mom always said that probably saved his life. So it was, you know, because some of his chums there, they went into the Army. They were in the infantry in Europe and... A disproportionate number of them were wounded or killed there. And uh, my dad went on to enjoy a wonderful career as a teacher, a husband, and a father. All of that happening, as even as I am ready, and I do want to leave room for us to talk about Saving Private Ryan, but, but there was a point in 1970 when looking back on it, Jeffrey, I can see that there was an intersection of 
dealing with themes of war, of the terror, the loss, and at the same time to have a comic underpinning which highlighted the absurdity of war and the way human beings react to it. I got a kick out of that movie, and other than Saving Private Ryan, with all of its its depth and, and meaning, all the tragedy, there is a funny side to the war. Every time I enjoy watching Kelly's Heroes, <laughs> I think that's a hell of a movie. It is. The, there were many movies made about the war that either were just out-and-out out comedies or they 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 were dark, but they had this comedy element, this comedy filament running through the fabric of the film. And as I said, right from the beginning, Abbott and Costello doing routines of, about drilling. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many different comedians Bob Hope made movies where he was a hopeless. And, and there was a reason for it. A, to make the people at home and people who were watching these films overseas to laugh but also to point out it's a very strange mindset. You're going to be drafted, but don't wait to be drafted enlist. If you're 18 to, I think they were taking people to the up to 50 at those points because they were so desperate to get bodies into uniforms. And if you were a man during world war two, who had not served the implication was uh, you're mentally ill or you're a homosexual because there's no other reason not to have served in a uniform during the war and men who didn't get drafted who chose to stay home and, and run things at home for people they 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 really got socially outcasted by it why aren't you in the war why aren't you doing your bit? And some of these comedy movies were to say, all right, it's not going to be easy, but look at this jerk, Lou Costello, or look at Curly from the Three Stooges. Somehow they're getting through it. You can get through it too. So the humor was used to sort of like <laughs> take the, the anxiety out of being drafted that it's going to be okay even if you're a moron. You're going to live and it's going to be okay and we'll teach you. And the women at home, these films, how many women in these films lost? Husbands, fathers, sweethearts. And somehow all the women around them just come up and say, we're going to take care of you. Look at what you gave for the war. Because of your loss, we're going to win. And for the rest of your life, we're going to make coffee with you. These are fantasies. But they serve to make the people not freak out. Because war is a freak out socially. And I think it's the only war where we ever got that. It's World War II really is singular in how the culture of America handled it. Nothing else has ever been like it. And, and they've tried to make other wars like it. And it, it just it just doesn't work. I'm, I'm glad you said that. When Gary told me the topic that he wanted to discuss with you today, I, I said, uh, well, I don't, I don't know that I've seen very many war movies. And then when I started making lists of them, I realized how many I had seen because the not every movie was made about fighting right there on the front. They were, there were stories about the people at home and the veterans who came back and, and, uh, and different ways of looking at it. One of the things that, that I noticed um, when I grouped together the uh, movies about Vietnam, they were considerably darker Oh, yes. than, than World War II. Apocalypse Now, 1979. The Deer Hunter, 1978. When I saw The Deer Hunter, I freaked out for weeks over that movie. The Killing Fields, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon. The only one that had a few laughs in it was Good Morning America with Robin Williams. Well, we, we had come, again, American culture. Those two words are so huge and so weighty. We, we came out of World War II into Korea, 
into this time in the 1950s where we tried to shrug off the war and pretend like all of America was now middle class, there were no problems, there were no issues, there was no racism, everybody's okay. And of course, it wasn't true, but we tried to pretend like it was. And in the 1960s, for reasons that could we could take 17 hours discussing why we got into Vietnam, but we got into Vietnam. And the next group of people, oh my goodness, that's us, the baby boomers, uh, didn't did not sign on for Vietnam the way other generations of people just sort of said, this is my duty, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Baby boomers said, uh, we don't need to be there. Why are we there? Are we there just for money? Are we there just for this or that? Uh, younger people who did not live through the 1960s think they know about them. They really don't. We were in a tremendous state of unrest in this country. And then you had, you had all of these things happening in the course of about, World War II was about four years for us. The 60s and their unrest was about 12 years for us. So yes. We have, we have yeah. the civil rights movement. We have the women's movement. We have the war in Vietnam, the beginnings of the gay rights movement. We, we have the assassination of President Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. We had rioting in the streets in all the major cities in this country. Then we get into the Nixon era and we have a president who's going a little bit insane while he's in office and is removed from office. And we finally get out of Vietnam and we get out of it badly. We didn't win. We lost. Yeah. Uh, nobody ever says that word lost. America mm -hmm. has never lost the war. Yes, we have. We lost in Vietnam. Yep. Well, we didn't know what to do. So the seventies was kind of like the fifties. We did a lot of drugs and went to discos and pretended like nothing was wrong. But the filmmakers, now that the war was over, wanted to document what was really going on. So there was this spate of war films that came out in the mid and late 70s and early 80s that were specifically about Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, we did not bring our Vietnamese troops home with parades and with ticker tape and with nope. celebration, they came mm -hmm. home hanging their heads in a country they didn't recognize because I don't think any culture has changed from 1960 to 1975 for those 15 years. Everything about America changed. And if you were away for a few years and came back, it was like that, that, that uh, there's a sound on Warner Brothers cartoons when someone's very confused and they shake their head and they go, yada, 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 yada. So, so these soldiers came up and went, yada, yada, yada. What, what, what happened to our country? Yeah. And we're, we're still reeling from it. There are, there, I think a lot of what's unhappy today for people, left and right, is we don't recognize our own country anymore. Left or right. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on we're like all like, like how did we get here and there aren't movies being made today about how we got here they will be made jeffrey they will and that be. Was beautifully they will stated be. beautifully said those movies will be made and they'll be tough to watch some of them anyway and they are coming i can see that on the horizon i want to take time though to um Pay special homage to the great Steven Spielberg. Yes, yes. With Saving Private Ryan, yep. he made a movie. He made this creation that had people who were there, who fought, who fought on D-Day, who hit Omaha Beach, saying that it's the closest thing they had ever seen on film that brought you, the viewer, into the experience as if you were actually there as it happened. It's just extraordinary in every way. Well, be because Mr. Spielberg is an extraordinary filmmaker, and also because finally technology allowed us to take, because there were films that were shot at Omaha Beach. Mm -hmm. so we, we have actual raw footage of what was going on. And he was able to take the raw footage and use it 
and literally put his characters into it. So you, you're having actors computerized in such a way that they're actually there in the real event doing things. The, it doesn't get realer than that. And it, it takes courage, you know, it takes courage to make art that reflects something that's not fun or funny, to, to, to make art about death, to make art about politics, to make art about things that are not necessarily popular. There was a detail. Go ahead. Just just hopefully the artist knows what they're doing, that they're talented and they have the courage of their convictions to see their vision through. And Mr. Spielberg had the talent and the courage. That, That was my point. There was a detail in that movie that Gary and I were recalling today. And, and that was when a bomb went off in the movie yeah that you that the audience watching the movie lost their hearing he shut off the sound so that you were seeing things and hearing nothing because the people who were there couldn't hear anything when those bombs went off in their ears they lost their hearing momentarily forever you know how long how many seconds or minutes that would have been but we too lost our hearing which is part of how we were put right inside that movie is that we were watching things and couldn't hear a sound and i mean just the the brilliance of putting it together the way he did was was something i know we're starting to run out of time now i i other than i must say to you folks uh twice twice other times in my long career have i been interviewed where things got this serious Uh, one about my being a recovering alcoholic and one about someone asked me to come on the air and talk about being molested as a child this is the most serious hour i have spent on the air other than those two wasn't what i expected but but i'm so glad we're doing it and the other thing just for two minutes, let's thank people like Jose Iturbi and Carmen Miranda and Jimmy Durante and Judy Garland and Betty Grable and Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, the people, Ray Bolger, Bob Hope, Al Jolson, Jack Benny, uh, who entertained the troops, made films to entertain the troops, made films to entertain us even if their career only lasted during the war where that was their big deal you can say what you like about bob hope but god bless bob hope for the years and years he entertained our troops and for every entertainer now these are my people who maybe wasn't big and famous but who went around to the army air force and navy bases and entertained and went overseas to Europe and went to Africa and entertained our troops. God bless you, my fellow theatrical people. You really helped this country get through World War II. And I'm proud to be a part of that. It can't be said better than that. You know, Jeffrey, I am very curious about your take on someone who, and I do not say this by way of criticism, but who parlayed his wartime experience into his fair share of stardom in the aftermath of the war, Audie Murphy. That he seems to be a phenomenon unto himself because he seemed emblematic of what America and the world went through and survived. And he went on to thrive cinematically. For a while. Uh, this is We're talking about, for those of you who don't know, the most decorated uh, person during World War II. And he happened to be nice looking and he happened to be fairly intelligent. And because he got so much press for winning the most decorations, his chest had the most ribbons on it than anybody else in the war. uh, He got a movie career out of it. It didn't last long and he wasn't necessarily a great actor, but because of his efforts, I think this is how he was rewarded by the American public. And when we come to uh, going back to the 70s there, I remember and of all movies to go and, and sit through with my mom coming home there 
This is what the Vietnam War did to people who lived to tell about it, who went through trauma after the original trauma. Coming Home is one of those movies that just left me speechless at the end of it. It's the first war-related movie I can remember leaving, and I just didn't know what to say about it. I had to let it wash over me. It was a very controversial film at the time uh, in that it showed the horrors of the Vietnam War, not in the war, but the horrors of the folks who are coming home from it, whether their impairment was physical or emotional. I have baby boomer friends older than I. I didn't serve. I was in that little bit of window where there was no, uh, I didn't, I don't even have a draft card. There was like two years there where 18 year olds didn't have to do anything. But older than I, to this day in their 70s, have PTSD from being in Vietnam. Uh, it was controversial because it starred Jane Fonda, who had been an anti-war advocate. And it was, uh, well, I can say this on Seattle radio, it was the very first film that even insinuated a female receiving oral sex because he could not function with his lover any other way. Yes. It was just, was just controversial all the way around. And let me say this from the heart. Awkward. I was sitting right next to my mother. And I didn't anticipate <laughs> that scene. But there you are, yeah. you know, as, as just one challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, I think we all have to agree that movies about war are going to be difficult and awkward no matter how you're coming at it even the comedies are a little bit awkward because you're talking about death no matter how you look at it you're talking about death and that's always going to be awkward it's our biggest fear as human beings dying and yet war is all about that world war ii specifically did it the best but we have been in one war or another ever since in this country. Um, yeah. And I don't see that changing anytime very much soon. Yeah. I think Hollywood was the best tool possible to, to get us to be of one accord about the war. Yeah. I sometimes wish Hollywood was better used today to help with things. Here, but here. This, but the, there are no major studios anymore. That all fell apart because of the war. Because after the war, Hollywood couldn't support that big system anymore. So I have one minute to say that today it's all independent producers. The great big studios are either half empty or they are uh, Universal Studios is mostly about bringing people in to take rides and make money. They're, they're not making anywhere near the films and television they used to. The, this, the system has changed, so Hollywood has changed. I liked it better the old way. Jeffrey, thank you for talking. Hollywood goes to war with us today. I think he's also given us our next topic, our next theme when he Maybe. joins us sometime. Maybe. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Always a pleasure to be with you. All right. Have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. Pause to remember. <laughs>